Hello, you're listening to Second on the Mount, a podcast of sermons from Second Presbyterian Church, located on Mountain Avenue in Roanoke, Virginia. We are glad you found us. My name is Elizabeth Link, and I'm the executive pastor. Each week, we climb into the pulpit with a bit of fear and trembling. We hope and pray that what we have to say is true to God's will for the church and may encourage and challenge you on your journey of discipleship. Please rate and review if you enjoy. May the Spirit have some word for you in what we have to share. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and minds be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our first scripture reading comes from the New Testament book of 1 John and may be found on page 995 of your pew Bible if you'd like to follow along. Hear what this letter has to say to the church today, reading from 1 John chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. Our second reading comes from 1 Corinthians. On page 930 of your pew Bible, the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning with verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What is your family's favorite meal? Not just the one of three meals I hope that you get each day, but the favorite meal you share, or maybe used to share as a child, that happens maybe just once a year. Maybe it's Christmas Eve dinner, with the house decorated and gifts still wrapped under the tree. Maybe it's the Easter lunch you look forward to, with deviled eggs on the table, and something sweet for dessert. Or perhaps it's a birthday dinner where someone makes your favorite foods or you take yourself out to your favorite restaurant. Think about it for a moment. What is your favorite family meal? Who eats it with you? What makes that meal so special? For me growing up, it was our Thanksgiving meal. 
My cousins and aunts and uncles would all travel into town, and we'd all converge upon my grandmother's house. It was exciting to drive up to that big old house and know that inside we would have good smells, familiar stories, and lots of laughter. My brother and I idolized our older cousins who would greet us and take us out back to throw a football. We'd eat this special meal around a dining room table or the card table kids table and linger into the afternoon full and comfortable and happy. Ever since my cousin Will passed away, his mother, my aunt, always makes sure we have his favorite Thanksgiving dish, pineapple casserole. We always have rice, because South Carolina. And gravy. Our gravy has turkey giblets and chopped up hard-boiled eggs inside, and Chris says that's weird. <laughs> and no one remembers why we make it that way. We just always have. My mom brings pecan pie because it's my brother's favorite. And every year we all say we should make less food because there's just too much left over. But truthfully, everyone loves the leftovers. It's a meal I look forward to, perhaps because of the menu. But when I consider it, it's not really because of the menu. It's my favorite meal because of who I get to share it with. Over the years, we've all sat around that table. Some of us are there every year. Some of us are now eating with in-laws. Others have passed on before us. During the heights of the pandemic, we didn't gather in such a large group. We gathered as smaller family units. I bet like many of you did. We didn't have the same grand smorgasbord of casseroles on the table, but we still ate well and reminisced on old family stories. Like the time my Aunt Nell's dog stole the turkey from the table or the way Aunt Drew makes the gravy just right, but she doesn't even like it. Our Nana's old dishwasher, we used to have to pull away from the wall and hook up to the sink in order to run it. These memories have stuck with me, and I know the meals we share around our own table will be ones that our daughter remembers. It brings me joy to share those stories, those people, that special meal with her. So that's my favorite family meal. Nearly 2,000 years ago, when Jesus sat around that Passover table with his friends, he was sharing a family meal. He took food that was familiar to them. Each item on their plate told a story. And then after dinner, with his words and his actions, he gave the most basic and simplest of foods, bread and wine, new meaning. Years later, his disciples would remember that night and they would strive to recreate it. The earliest Christians met in homes to worship, and when they worshiped, they would start around a dining table. They'd share a meal, reminisce on old stories, welcome new family to the table, and they'd break the bread and pour the cup using the same words that Jesus shared the night before he died. I imagine in some years and in some places, the crowd around the table was great. And other years, and other cities, the crowd would have been small, perhaps even a meal shared in secret. But what's the same in all these settings would have been the stories that were told of Jesus and his love, and the food that was shared, bread and cup, body and blood. 
That special meal was the church's family meal. And at that table, all were welcome, regardless of gender or race, age or ability or ethnicity. All were called beloved children of God. But as we know, children don't always get along with each other. Things weren't perfect in the early church. The Jesus movement fragmented early and often. James and John asked for places of glory. The disciples argued over who was the greatest. The Greek-speaking Jews complained about the Aramaic-speaking Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. And about 20 years later, Paul lamented the deep divisions in Corinth. Earlier in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul criticizes the people in the church for coming together as the church only to exhibit their divisions. But what really irks Paul is that divisions would be present even during Jesus' mandated celebration of the Lord's Supper, which was meant to be a unifying commemoration of the body of Christ. As a remedy to their divisions, Paul briefly outlines the traditions of the Lord's Supper, what we just read in 1 Corinthians 11, reminding and highlighting to them the meal's past, this holy meal's meaning in the present, and its hope for the future. This meal Paul outlines in 1 Corinthians is what would hold them together. Now, it's not hard for us to look back and remember or imagine that the early 1930s in America was a divided place. In the throes of the Great Depression, social class divisions were real. Tensions in Europe were mounting as power shifted in Germany in the wake of World War I. It was a tenuous time, and many Americans, in particular, found it hard to look after the needs of their neighbors when their own needs seemed so great. In 1930, a Presbyterian pastor named Dr. Hugh Thompson Kerr served as the moderator of the Presbyterian Church General Assembly. In that year of larger service to the church, Dr. Kerr had the idea of something we now know as World Communion Sunday. Three years later, he started the practice at his congregation, Shadyside Presbyterian Church in Pittsburgh, and invited other churches of all denominations to join them. World Communion Sunday was an attempt to bring churches together in the service of Christian unity, in which everyone might receive inspiration and information, that they might be reminded of the importance of the Church of Jesus Christ, and that each congregation would be reminded that they are interconnected one with another. Reflecting on the idea years later, Dr. Kerr's son says, the concept spread slowly at the start. People did not give it a whole lot of thought. It was during the Second World War that the spirit caught hold because we were trying to hold the world together. Worldwide communion symbolized the effort to hold things together in a spiritual sense. It emphasized that we are one in the spirit and in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here we are in 2023. We are divided still. Children of God haven't changed all that much in some 2,000 years. Some children of God hold to seven sacraments, while others hold to two, baptism and communion. 
Some children of God ordain women, while some won't let women lead anyone over the age of 12. Some children of God picket pride parades, while others give out free hugs to teens and grown-ups who've been rejected by their own families. Some children of God take the Bible literally, while others believe it to be inspired and interpret it through the lens of its time. Some children of God sit in Congress on the right and the left and in between. Jesus must have known that it would be in our nature to tear ourselves apart. Jesus must have known that we'd need reminders that we are, with all of our differences and all of our divisions, we are still his. And so he used ordinary things around us, like water, wine, and bread, to call us back to our senses, to call us back to who we are, to remind us that we need Jesus. We need saving from ourselves. We need to be fed, forgiven, restored, made new. Many of you may remember Maundy Thursday in early April 2020. Things were awful back then. We couldn't be together. We couldn't celebrate Jesus' Last Supper in the same room. And so we broadcast it into your homes. And we believed, we knew that the Spirit was with us, uniting us, connecting us, whether we were across the street, across town, or across the country. As Presbyterians, we believe in and celebrate something we call the extended table. It means that this table is much wider than it looks. It is so wide that it reaches beyond these walls, beyond this neighborhood. In fact, it's not even a Presbyterian table. It's the Lord's. And today we celebrate the life and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we remember that Christians in other churches, in other lands, in other languages, say these same words the Apostle Paul gave us. They break the bread that may look like ours, or not at all, and they share the cup that may be big and fancy or small and simple. Those details don't matter. What matters is that it is one table, one body, one blood. Later today, our elders, with the leadership of our parish associate Nancy Gray and the help of Meredith Kaliba, will take communion to our members who are home-centered. Many of these members may be watching online right now from their home of many years, from their apartment, from their nursing home bed. And for a myriad of reasons, they cannot physically come to this table, and so we extend the table to them. You'll notice around the flower arrangement, there are small baskets of bread. When worship is over, elders will come forward and take those baskets in teams of two and three to deliver it to our members and celebrate this special meal with them. In sharing the meal this way, we remember that the Lord's table is wide, and it is welcome, and it is for you. You of much faith, and you of little. And we trust that one day we will be gathered at Christ's banquet table, and these divisions that right now seem so real will fall away. The veil will be lifted from our warring madness, and we will sit at table with our Lord Jesus. May we be reminded 
that this is the Lord's table. And our Savior invites all those who trust in him to share the feast which he has prepared. Thanks be to God. Second Presbyterian, finding direction by following Jesus.